Welcome to the Hot Topics podcast, the place where the global thinkers, innovators, and disruptors share their thought leadership. We'll delve into the world of tech entrepreneurs, investors, and corporate executives in a series of interviews to ensure you're up to date with the fast-moving tech ecosystem. This is the business of innovation. In this first episode, Hot Topics editor Tom Litton Dickey sits down with pianist, author, and current CEO of V Interactive, David J. Brown. Reflecting on the entrepreneurial ecosystem and failure, Brown argues that without execution, ideas are worthless. We're here with David Brown, the founder and CEO of V Interactive, one of the fastest growing and now the highest value privately owned tech businesses in the UK. So David, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Let's get straight into it. So, I mean, mm. as, a, as a serial entrepreneur and founder mm. of businesses, how, how do you define entrepreneurship? I think it's very easily defined. I think entrepreneurship is uh, about achieving more with the same resources as someone else. And you can tell an entrepreneur when you meet them, you meet people that are very very driven, can go the extra mile, can really define what a working day is. And most importantly, they can see the difference between concept, innovation, and execution. And so many times you know, I meet entrepreneurs, or so be entrepreneurs, who get addicted to the idea, the, the notion of just creating, innovating a new business. Well, innovation is obviously important, but it doesn't define a success. It doesn't define how a business can grow. You can have the best ideas in the world, but with poor execution, poor structure, poor organizational view, you can't get anywhere with the business. So the reason I say an entrepreneur achieves more with the same resources as another is because they look at everything that needs to be done, and they make sure everything that's important gets the right attention, and that they don't get carried away with just a concept. Um, concepts, as I say, are fantastic, but... It's all about the planning and the execution. Sure. And, and how has the attitude towards entrepreneurship, particularly here in the UK, changed mm. over the course of, of your career? I think, for the first time, I think it's professionalising. Um, you know, I, I was worried for a couple of years that there was this kind of sort of dragon's den attitude to entrepreneurship. And, of course, that was largely fostered in the US, where you know, entrepreneurship, of course, is, is, uh, is a flourishing uh, industry on its own. And uh, hence, you know, that's why the VC community has been so strong in, in the US for so many years and is still dominant financially. Um, but I would say over here, the, the attitude is maturing somewhat in that starting a business, you know, raising a bit of money and getting going is no longer the accolade um, that everyone respects. I mean, you know, I think now it's shifting towards, you know, what are you doing with that business? How are you scaling it? And, um, and you know, and is it sustainable? as a model. I don't think the accolades are there anymore for just simply getting going and starting a business. I mean, you could look at the you know, statistics, I mean, government statistics. I, th I do believe that in 2014, there were over 50,000 businesses mm. started you know, in the first quarter of the year, you know, which is, which is a, an absolute record. That means, of course, there's going to be the h highest number of failures as well that's going to follow, um, because most businesses still are addicted to starting and concept and getting going. And then, of course, the roadmap usually you know, often falls apart. So, but I think over here, I think it's a more sobering approach now. I think in Britain, and certainly in, in, in the UK, I do believe we've always had a slightly more sober approach than the US. Mm. Um, I think the US you know, can be very excitable about innovation and entrepreneurship, um, whereas over here I think we're naturally a little bit more cautious as a nation, and, and I think that's come out in entrepreneurship and the way we view it. But from the Dragon's Den and the, you know, the Alan Sugar uh, sort of approach to entrepreneurship or as people recognize it, the TV game show uh, sort of approach to entrepreneurship, I think it has matured from that a little bit. And I would say, you know, uh, you know I see a lot of entrepreneurial people and, and potential strong entrepreneurs within our own business at V, 
and, and I would say that every one of those is inspired by the right principles. You know, I, I try to inspire in my daily performance, and and I don't think I inspire people, you know, necessarily with uh, brashness or you know uh, dominance necessarily. I think mm. I do it with my you know my my approach, my my planning, my execution, my closeness to all the details in the business, and overall my my work rate and, and the fact that. You know, I can achieve more with the same resources. I mean, V is a business that's, you know, probably invested about a hundred hundred million dollars into it, and built a you know multi-billion business. And and compared to a lot of American large tech businesses, you know, we are probably underfunded by tenfold, and yet have still achieved massive resources. So I think a lot of the entrepreneurs here are understanding the brand of entrepreneurship as it should be, which is they would associate it, associate it with effort and skill and determination. I think that's that's the right attitude to have. So hopefully we're contributing to mm. the right definition of entrepreneurship. Sure. You, you mentioned the word failure. Mm. And, I mean, traditionally there's been perhaps a, uh, a darker view towards failure here in Europe versus mm. in the US. Do you think that's still the case? Well, yeah, there's always been the adage, you know, that failure is the best thing to learn from. Yeah. Um, I have to say I'm, I don't really share the view. And uh, I uh, lived in New York for eight years, and, of course, you know, I had that view ram down my throat, you know, for years. And um, I actually don't believe it. I'd actually rather learn from my success. Um, if you want to learn about fa- failure, read about somebody else's. You know, <laughs> that's my attitude. Um, but overall, you know, I think failure, of course you need to go through experience. And you see a lot of people that, you know, are, can get, let's say they're in their mid to late 30s, and of course that's the ideal age apparently to build a you know, European unicorn. Um, but you can have people that get to that age and have never really experienced enough because they don't expose themselves to enough. And, uh, and I have to say, you know, my first few years in big business, between probably the ages of 27 and 30, there are years, there are years where I was blind and, and I made a lot of mistakes because I just wasn't experienced enough. And, um, and actually, I, that's nothing I don't think to be proud of necessarily. Actually, what it means is I should have had more advice. You know, I should have listened to mentors more and, you know, I should have got more people in my life with the right experience to understand things. It actually would have saved me time. So those mistakes are simply a product of the fact that I wasn't equipped. So, you know, I think I would say to entrepreneurs, make sure you do get advice, do get equipped, and also do the reading, you know, understand everything. Um, you know, take, um, take business structure, for example. You know, there's a, a fantastic book available which is free of charge in the UK, and it's called the Companies Act. And um, somebody pointed it to me, you know, in 98, 99, and, you know, and I read the whole thing and I've you know, lived by it since. And what it, it teaches you all about structure of business and, you know, from equities and the relationship between directors and equity and shareholders and this, that, and the other. And it's, it's such a basic lesson in business. Yeah. You know, and I hear people that go and study business and still don't study things like that. So, you know, had I read that earlier in my uh, career, I would have been more successful, and the mistakes I'll have made because th- I didn't understand the Companies Act, you know, are not mistakes to be proud of. It just means I was ill-equipped. So I think the attitude here is, yes, there's a perhaps a commercial attitude towards, you know, lots of failures, but I think it's only ever anecdotally, uh, you know, uh, sweet or interesting. And the Americans seem to love to say, you know, hey, he failed three times before he made it. What a great guy. Yeah. You know, over here, it's, yeah. I think it's, it is harder to get on get on your feet after a failure, but. Mm. I don't think failure is something to aim for, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what do you think of the quality of, of business school tuition? And, and, I mean, as more and more people mm. desire to be an entrepreneur, is that the right path to learn mm. how to be one? 
You know, I, I, have a, I have a struggle with that one. I've been doing some workshops at Cambridge University recently, yeah. uh, helping in their technology entrepreneur course, and I've done a few lectures there. And it's been very, very interesting, some of the people that I meet and some of the people that are studying entrepreneurship. You know, I'm not sure you can ever really study entrepreneurship. But I think, you know, it's a kind of a way of life. It's almost like, you know, it's your, it's your workout plan at your gym. You know, it's not how to run your body, but it's just a way to do something. And um, you know, it's a set of philosophies and principles and ethos and things like that. But I think it has to be supplemented by core skill. I don't think you can study just running a business. You've got to come from a vocation or, you know, core business first. Um, but I think, um, you know, clearly you can, you can learn a lot from the lessons of entrepreneurship and the approach. And I think it does apply to a lot of, uh, a lot of different businesses. But, um, but overall, I wouldn't say it's something you can just, just study and then come out the other side. I do find that people who've, you know, are deep in business study, and I meet a lot of MBA mm. uh, students, I meet, certainly at Cambridge, I've met a lot of postgrads that are trying to get to their first businesses. It almost seems like they get to the end of study and even in entrepreneurship, and then start learning the real basics of business. And I kind of think that's the wrong way around. You know, I would absolutely say, and I can say this cate categorically from experience, it's all about what you expose yourself to. And I think opportunity is everything. I think that's why V is great. You know, we've got some very, some very young people here in senior positions. Um, I think as I mentioned to you as we were chatting before, you know, we have a 23-year-old director general in Paris doing a, an amazing job with a 50-person office. And, mm. You know, we have people in their early 20s here running, you know, multi-million sectors uh, for the business and growing them themselves from, you know, not with being spoon-fed, you know, by me or anyone else. They're, you know, they're learning about their own environment, applying their own individualism. Um, we have a 25-year-old running, you know, she's running her own uh, separate travel project, which is completely controlling. She has all the support around her, but, you know, that's an amazing opportunity for someone, you know, of, of that age. But, you know, if they have no fear, then, you know, they can do that. But um, so I, I would say experience is everything, and um, I've seen people go from, you know, junior sales positions in this company, and those that are hungry enough keep wanting more, and they've risen and risen. And we have some pretty senior people here. We're about to have our first 26-year-old C-level person in the company here in, in the UK, which is wow. as a multi-billion business. That's a big accolade for, you know, for a person of that age. But it's because they've exposed themselves, worked really hard have really exposed themselves to everything across the business. And then there's no limits. And I would say, you know, that person's more equipped as an entrepreneur than somebody coming out of an entrepreneur course who knows the facts. Because mm. they're experienced and they've been exposed to so much. So how do you foster that level of fearlessness within the business? Well, I think you have to do it by example. And, um, you know, I'm either fearless or reckless. I'm not <laughs> quite sure. You know, I guess I'll work that out when I, when I grow up eventually but um you know uh, at the end of the day i think um you know you know I, wor I worry about the things i can't control you know if something's out of my control i can worry about that anything in my control it's just a matter of time and planning and execution um and working things out and there's always a solution you know i think i learned that when i was studying composition you know at music college you know because you can you can be blocked and have a small idea and not get anywhere but you either then produce nothing or you get the pencil out and you keep working the same principal ideas into something bigger until you get something. And, and I think that sort of intellectual exercise, you know, is that intellectual sort of heavy lifting, mm. I think is one of the best examples in business. And also I think when you, you know, I studied music before business, I'm probably more qualified as a piano teacher than I am a businessman, and, um, but didn't earn as much as a musician. As a, 
as I have <laughs> in business, obviously. But uh, you know, I think you also take such responsibility for yourself because in, when you're a musician, you can't blame anyone else for your performance, for mm. you know, for anything. And um, whereas in business, you can blame a whole structure and blame everybody else if you want. Um, but I think that sort of independence of creativity, limitless creativity, pushing yourself, um, and never accepting anything other than exactly what you want to achieve. You know, I think they're the things that you know can inspire people, can drive people, because at the end of the day, you know, they've got to help themselves. And everything you can show people that um, inspires them to take responsibility for themselves. And that's not just about doing it all yourself. It's about sometimes getting the right advice, but pushing people, knocking doors, saying, "I need help with this." Understanding, doing the heavy lifting. Take finance, for example. I see so many people produce poor forecasts or you know, never really get their head around the finance and say it's not my thing. Mm. Well, like, you can't even instruct a CFO if you don't understand what they've got to do. So you pick up a couple of books, you learn about accounting, you learn about your P&L balance sheet, cash flow forecast, income statement, accounts. You, learn, you have to learn about it all. And, and it's a bit like using law. You know. A lawyer is useless if they have a bad brief. And if you don't understand the basic principles of commercial law, transactional law, contractual law, if you don't understand the basis of that, you can't even brief a lawyer. Mm. So I think that, again, comes down to that sort of heavy lifting intellectual exercise and making sure you take responsibility for your own persona and what you are. Yeah. We, um, we often see founders replacing themselves or, or being replaced by a so-called professional CEO at some mm-hmm. point in a company's yeah. journey. You clearly haven't been through that. Why? I mean, and what, what makes you have the ability to see the company through well, clearly, I'm irreplace- irreplaceable. <laughs> um, you know, um, no, I haven't found anyone yet. And um, no, I think um, you have to, I think to answer that question, you have to look at what the role of a CEO is. Mm. And um, you know, I you know, I've, I was a CEO first time around in a business, and I was probably okay at it, um, but I was still learning. And uh, you know, now you know, I'm involved with a lot of other CEOs and a lot of other businesses, and you know, and, and I take my role really seriously. So, you know, the role of a CEO here, I think it is to take uh, a company from concept uh, to market proof, um, to, to market guarantee, to make sure you can show that there really is a market, and then to start building the scale, but also to foster all the key ethos of the business. So here, you know, innovation, execution, internationalization, you know, independent financing, um, leadership, uh, all of these things are really mm. important ethos to me. And, uh, and until I'm happy that all of those things are perfectly in place, you know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And um, you know, now I'm in a, you know, I'm in a scale game. I mean, I'm, you know, let's face it, the role of a CEO ultimately is a recruitment one. You know, you, you hire other people, you put people in place. But unless you have a grip of all those ethos and you can get everybody on the same page, you know, it doesn't work. You can't just hire a good management team. Mm. They have to be molded together perfectly, and they all have to execute their roles perfectly on an independent and interdependent basis. So, you know, my work on that area is still being done. Um, there'll come a point where, you know, it's swimming along perfectly. And, and that is also my job to make myself, you know, less intrinsic to the business over time. Mm. You know, we're, we're a long way from that yet. And, um, you know, maybe a couple of years. But, um, but you know, when that is the time, I'm, there may be somebody better at the execution stage to scale beyond myself because, um, you know, I'm clearly attracted to the you know, the sort of concept to innovation of execution and evolution and, and new market, market dominance, market creation. You know, I'm clearly, you know, attracted to that side of a business. I find it very exciting. And I like, I like the risk as well. You know, I like a bit of a, I like a, bit of a fight as well. And um, so I think, um, you know, when my 
job is done, if it's ever defined as done, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to, you know, to, mm. to pull back and let somebody else get on with it. But then, you know, my role, you know, would change. And actually, that is the great thing about the CEO role. You know, you start the first month, you put the trash out, and you make everyone a coffee, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and by the end of it, you, you know, yeah. you're shifting. And uh, obviously, my role will become much more financial over time. Uh, as we start to look towards you know, liquidity in various markets and, and use the, you know, the equity of our business to, you know, to dominate, to, to bring in other businesses, to bring in new territories and to mm. scale you know, to the potential of, uh, of our product mm. portfolio. Mm. As the pace of innovation quickens and we're seeing mm. so, well, seemingly dominant companies being disrupted, once you've achieved a, a degree of market dominance, mm. how do you then maintain that? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult, I, you know. I think um, there are a lot of a lot of big technology players out there that have done, you know, incredible job of marketing, and it's usually on a first mover basis. That's, you know, most success stories in the big tech business is a first mover, and um, and actually they are rarely just pure product innovation, and uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, the physical products take a long time to evolve, and there's usually a big IP story behi- behind it. Mm. Um, but I think you know the great thing about these big dominant businesses is that they they organise markets. And you organize markets into, you know, poachable sizes, into approachable sizes. And, and, you know, and I think, you know, for us, I mean, we will, the one thing we will do, regardless of our dominance, is we will organize the online performance industry into uh, an organized sector that's recognizable from the outside. Mm. And, uh, and I think, you know, at that point, you either keep innovating and keep yourself incredibly relevant, or you start acquiring and start taking more segments of, of markets. And that's an exciting thing ahead for us, because, you know, we don't know what the market looks like in a year and a half, year and a half. We think we're going to define the market and we think we're going to change it with new products that are coming uh, as well, which is very, very exciting. Um, but I think um, one of the key elements of keeping your dominance is never to take your foot off the gas, you know. And we are still a very hard-working business. And even though we've achieved a lot in the four years of coming to market to build it to a multi-billion business from a tiny concept, mm. that's great. But it still feels like we've just scratched the surface. And that's, that's a really exciting thing for us. David, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Great.